today <clears throat> am i am i loud am i no you look you look pretty good pretty chill right. pretty chill today is uh march 7th 2023 i'm here with david chen hello what's your dad's name yeah oh uh young chen young chen yeah y-a-n-g young chen q-u-a-n so he's young chen chen well it's young Ch- well normally you say the last name first so it's chen young chen just like how i'd be like chen, chen du hao oh shit yeah for Damn. last names come first um uh, what's your dad's name <laughs> richard oh okay <laughs> <laughs> he's he's Richard, and yeah, my well, mom is Jennifer. Right, right, I know, yeah, Jennifer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, uh, what, what's your mom's name? Uh, so her English name is Wendy, but her like given name is Hui Fang Dou, or Dou Hui Fang. She doesn't take after my. Um, normally women don't take after the men's last name, even if they marry. Really, so my mom's last name is Dou D O U. Whoa! Wait, so that's kind of a uniquely Western thing, or? Oh, I don't know Western, because like you know they do it. Well, actually, I'm not too sure. I don't know if they do it in India, but I know that the children take the father's last name, but the mother Mm -hmm. doesn't change her last name. I see. Um, I see. Right. Interesting. Um. Would you? Would you want to be like? Would you want your partner to have your last name? It really doesn't matter to me at all, but, it, and, and like, the dash thing isn't that cool either, though, that's the I thing. Unless, like, like, it fits. Like, if it's, like, Slatin Smith. No, I'm kidding, though. That's actually pretty ass. <laughs> um, but the, I've seen some that I'm like, yeah, the dash is so good right there. Yeah. Um, well, what about your children? Like, would you, like, what if your partner asks if, if they can have their last name for for your children? Fuck it. Yours. <laughs> it's not a hill I'm on. It's yeah, not a hill I'm on. And I have nothing profound to say about it too. I'm just like a name is a name to me. Um and I think they mean more in other cultures, but uh, a lot of Americans are just like, yeah, Jacob, uh Steve, you know. <laughs> so I think you're clipping a bit. If you, are you able to lower your gain at all? Oh yeah. Well gain's all the way down. Or the uh, volume or whatever. Yeah, does this make it go lower? No, same. That's all right. I've never, I, I haven't figured out how to actually turn on the volume on this device. Oh well, that turned it down. I don't know if you just. Well, I just, I just, oh. I just flipped it around. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll, I think I just get too close. Honestly, how's this? A little better. Yeah, that's pretty good. I'll just turn it up and and go a little farther away. Yeah, that's the move. That's the move. Mm. Okay. Um. Yeah. So not a hill I'll die on is the conclusion of that can you imagine uh, a hill that you will die on? i guess it's harder to come up with on a fly but do, do you have one in mind like when it comes to like family raising oh i think i i realize that i have hills i die on when i argue with my parents and oh. especially about like our 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 beliefs especially spiritual mm-hmm. and a hill that i will forever die on is that the goal of life is to achieve your own version of happiness however that may look and uh somehow i disagree with my parents on that one mm. so so that's a hill i will die on and there is no compromise to that it's not like oh yeah like 
happiness is important, but like you gotta make money first or like do this that. Fuck that, mm. you know. It no. <laughs> so that that there's just no room for compromise on that one. Right. Yeah. I recently saw this Instagram post. I can actually play the audio here, and I'm, I'm curious to hear your reaction. But it's um, it's this like doctor slash philosopher who's like really interested in like the process of raising children and the f- ethics behind it. But check this out. Consciously make the first three years as stress-free and as clear of psychological dysfunction as possible. That means work on your traumas, work on your relationship with your partner, your spouse. That's the first thing. Begin with pregnancy, by the way, number one. Number two, understand what the needs of children are. Needs of children are for unconditional loving acceptance in the context of a secure relationship where the child doesn't have to work to make their relationship work. The acceptance and the regard should be unconditional. Allow the child to have all their emotions. Whatever the emotions are, let the child have them, understand them. Don't force them to suppress their emotions. I'm not saying be permissive with behaviors. I'm saying don't force the child to suppress their emotions. Don't tell them not to be angry. Don't tell them to cheer up when they're sad. Validate the anger. Validate the sadness. These are essential brain circuits for such feelings. Nature gave them those for a reason. Allow the child to experience them. That way they can stay connected to themselves. Yeah, that's the that's the clip. Yeah, I mean, I, it's crazy that the answer is really that straightforward and simple. Yeah. Um, but yeah i mean people missed the mark hard on that i know i just <laughs> had the thought today i think you would have really pre- i found a podcast equivalent of the midnight gospel um called becoming wise it is it, it goes hard because the, the episodes are literally like five minutes long a piece but it is the most fi- it is the most influential hard-hitting banger five minutes because it's just like a short interview with someone who has, I guess, something wise to say. Um, yeah. And and there's like this Hindu, uh, not not Hindu. What am I saying? This Tibetan monk was. Uh, I'll send you this episode. It's called "Happiness is Practice, Not Pleasure," by Mathieu Ricard, and he's a he's a French-born Tibetan Buddhist. And he says, like, honestly, what I what I am as a Buddhist is infinitely easier as being a parent. And yet I get trained in a monastery to become a Tibetan monk. And parents yeah. just get fucking thrown into that shit. Like yeah. to bring in new life. That is the greatest possible creation that human mind, humankind could possibly... Like fuck going to space, right? Fuck earning your first billion dollars at the age of 25 to conceive of new consciousness. I think... I don't. I don't get how we have fucking normalize this shit to the point of like getting a job at goldman sachs yields more celebration than giving birth to new life (laughs) yeah um yeah it's crazy it's confusing because like parents are just like this thing that we know that we will become somehow and yet also assume that we will be prepared when we do so but no not at all right so yeah 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 um would you the uh, supporter of implementing like adolescent development in our curriculum, like in high school or something. Wait, what do you mean adolescent because, development? Like, like learning about how children develop and how you can like, like literally teaching someone how to raise a kid in high school. Oh, 
<laughs> Wait, don't we have something like kind of crude like that where like people carry around robot babies and take care there's of them? There's a there's a sexual sexual health course that That's they, where they do, they do babies. They do that for one semester, yeah. Um and it's it's actually like I think like a it's like a medical like precursor course. Yeah. Like it's like, oh I'm gonna be in a med. Um and it's more about like physical needs than it is actually like psychological. Right, which is <laughs> The side one is a bit harder to grab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so. um, I don't know. I don't. Uh, that one's tough, actually. That one's surprisingly tough because I don't think it's a clear yes for me. Um, mm. I I can see the utility in having people, especially younger age, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen years old, people like students, to be aware that who they are is very much influenced by how they were raised, where they grew up, the, the people mm. and the space that they grew up around. But yeah. I wonder if that's the right time to really consider that. Especially when you yourself are in such a fragile state of identity to then say that, well, to, to then like really dig in deep and talk about how really all of your identity is constructed. Um, mm. I heard this controversial again. I'm getting all this from Instagram, which is maybe a good thing, maybe a bad thing. But um, there's this other reel that was talking about how we all seek a sort of death in our teenage years when our identity is at its most fragile, and we seek death in many regards. And many people who feel lonely and feel sad in this journey may seem to think that that is suggesting a physical death, but we are really yearning for is a metaphorical death, a spiritual death. The death of our childhood as we become adults. Mm. To leave that behind. But I don't know if I fully agree with that, but I, I can definitely sense something true in, in this wording, which is that um, in this, I think to be in that age of 15 to, to I think 20, right? Like this is the age where one, oh, where you feel, I don't even know how to describe it, like at least human. Right, you are at your most confused, and yeah. I don't know what's the best accompaniment. Maybe the best accompaniment is to just be like, "All right, well, let's dig into why you are, and how you became this way." Um, but I'm curious, like, what's your idea of adolescent development, if, if you were to introduce it to to schools? Mm. Yeah, it's a tough one because you can one just essentially teach a psychology course. Right uh, or yeah, you know, you could do early development, which I have never done, so I don't even know what that would what that would look like. You know, um, I think a more effective means of doing that wouldn't be so direct. Instead, just like actually improve the mental health of of the people in your school, and then they'll probably pass those lessons on um, to their children. It's like. Yeah, I don't think you need to make it about raising kids. You could just make it about improving your life um, and your yeah. mental health. My fear would yeah. be like to to talk about these beautiful concepts of identity and constructing them, and then to have them go right back and next period they have to take calculus with Mister Hagerman for the sake of fucking be getting into college and then getting a job and like, oh, you know what I'm saying? Do you think? Like, do you think that goes through administrators' heads? Or like curriculum writers' heads, like are they like, ooh, that's too spiritual, that's too radical, like they're they're not gonna be able to, to even like cope with doing the things they don't like if they have that revelation. Mm, like, I don't know. Like we have to, 
that would be fucking crazy if they actively had those conversations. Like, let's not get these kids too self-aware. Otherwise, they won't want to be like slave enslaved workers of this of this labor economy. Um, I don't think they maybe exist specifically like that. I think it's the opposite. Where like we know what's best for our kids, which is to get them good fucking jobs. And to do that, we need to get them to take Mr. Hagerman's fucking calculus class. I don't know. Um, I think it's the opposite oh. side of that. But I don't think they may be, maybe maybe uh, that would be crazy if they do. But yeah, I mean, it would be a good thing. Like if if oh, if if we taught you and I. Or like had some like podcast room or something on a campus, and after interacting with us, they ended up dropping AP Calc. That is a great fucking thing. Yeah, <laughs> that is a good fucking thing. But to be to, to clarify, them dropping AP Calc, like it's not just it's not them dropping AP Calculus that we're achieving. It's that they're dropping AP Calculus for something, and this something yeah. is what they they itch, they yeah. earn, their stomach aches to do. Um, yeah, uh, that would be the goal. Not necessarily. Like, I don't think it would be funny if like we just go on and just express nihilism to every student, and they just drop <laughs> everything. Fail school and then just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just drop off the grid. I think it's more no, so but, like it's like what we did, right? Oh. Like, I dropped, I dropped all of fucking band to do Dude, podcasts. I, I dropped so much shit. I I had uh, two more AP courses on my plate um, senior year, and I was like, fuck that, and I did. I did Avid Tutor to TA to TA <laughs> so that I had three periods of just nothing so I could podcast. Wait, what was the other AP class? Um, it was stats and um, fuck, I don't even remember. Lit? Did you do lit? English lit? Yeah, I think it, I think it was. And then I, and then I ended up going into English honors with Miss Jones instead. Oh. Um, and the period before that was Avid Tutor in her class. So I didn't even have to like walk to a different classroom. Um, just went straight from avid tutor to oh now I'm and then the next period <laughs> back to back. Um, but man, that allowed for everything to happen. Yeah. Where it all began. Are, are you still like, like what is your? Because I'm you and I education reform was one of the main things we spoke about for like <sighs> yeah over a year. And, and I just I am curious in where you stand there, and especially like how spirituality has changed your opinions on these things? <sighs> that's, a, that's a good question, man. I don't know. From the, from the perspective of practice and like organizations and things that I'm involved with, I've definitely been way more rude from education lately. Actually, that's, that's fucking fact. That's fucking false. Um, <laughs> I recently spoke to a high school teacher teaching Southside Chicago and he teaches a senior elective on religious studies at a public Fire. high school. Yeah. Right. Public high school religious studies teacher. And he was one of the first, he actually was one of the people who then was invited to write a national curriculum for religious studies. And he says like, dude, I wish you were there for this because you would, you would have fucking popped off. He was talking about how like the goal of this class isn't to like teach a history lesson on religion. No, it's yeah. to teach the ethic of religion itself, which is that we all, his thing is like his big first unit is a situated perspective, right? To situate who you are and how that informs oh. your perspective. Oh, that's right? beautiful. Everything yeah. that you have come from. So they'll like, they'll like write on, on like this worksheet of like who they are in terms of different names, different hats that they wear. And then combined, they will talk about how that actually informs your perspective as as a basketball player, how would you see this scenario? 
right? And they'll mm-hmm. like hypothetically run through them. And then they'll see like, oh my God, who you are dramatically changes the way you see something as simple as a piece of text to as complex as an ethical dilemma in an end of life care situation. Right? Yeah. And that's where he says, so religion is a situation, is a situatedness. It is a story that people situate themselves in and that informs their perspective on many things, right? Yeah. It isn't this natural born ethic that you are born Christian and therefore you think a certain way. No, it is your positionality. It's your situatedness. And I'm like, dude, how is this a fucking senior elective, right? Like this kind of talk, this kind of important idea of situated perspective should be a universal class needed for every freshman. And he was like, yeah, I just haven't, there's so much stuff to work on the scene. I don't think I can find a way to to expand this beyond, but I'm like, damn, if I were to be in education, that is what I would want to do. Get anthropology off the ground. It's a secular form of what religious studies is trying to do. Yeah. And teach yeah. situated perspective. That is what anthropology thrives on. Everything yeah, is exactly. situated. Yeah. Right? Everything is yeah. relative. So yeah. Um dude, that would be man. Like I can't believe we did four years of education. I, I and I never even knew that like other cultures thought a different way really that's right that's so fucking <laughs> crazy man <laughs> i didn't give a shit like i was someone who actually ended up caring especially in my last like two years um still never came to that revelation or nor was that taught to me in any class right right i mean wow uh, what a damn yeah and, and we have like a social studies class or something right that's like broad uh, so it's like freshman year or maybe it used to be that now it's like freshman I don't seminar. Remember any of that? Yeah, like, like freshman seminars should be a just anthropology. I'm sorry. Oh, that would be nice. Oh man, anthropology. I don't know. I I I hope I really hope it has a better future because the way it is right now, it's like, it's what's a good analogy for this? It's like it's like hearing someone grown up saying that they play the piano they're like oh wow that's so kind of you to have know know how to play piano to a high degree and keep up with that it's like a it's like a quirk to be able to know that everything is a situated perspective right um maybe that's not the best analogy but i just i don't know i i'm i think i don't think i'm on a point of despair of like at this point i'm so dug in deep like i God damn, man. You you and me, Cal, our spiritual awakening in just the past year, just in the past year has felt like lifetimes worth of change. Yeah. yeah. To the yeah. point I where... Mean, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, well, to the point where like it felt like high school was almost like a prehistory, like a prologue to when I really started living. Like I don't think I was really alive in the same <laughs> definition that I feel alive now. It was all just... I, I completely agree with you. Right. Dude. And, and like to this sense like how the fuck do we do this at an educational system-wide scale like i i don't know <laughs> we like we had to like you can't draw acid in a high school class no, well yeah <laughs> obviously not and like i don't know i uh, maybe i look i the, the, the article I sent to you about Simone Vale, it's okay if you haven't read it, but like this idea that the studies is a way to get closer to God. Like, yeah, like, I did see that. Yeah. Right. Like, 
I would not, dude. I have. I recently saw a video on entropy. Did I send you that, by the way? The entropy video. I don't think so. Oh, mm-hmm. dude, that shit blew my mind about entropy and just like thinking about that from a physics perspective, and then thinking about it from a spiritual idea that everything tends towards chaos. Have you read anything from Isaac Asimov? No, I have not. Bro, do me wait. Okay, okay, bro. Okay, this will be. I don't know. Okay, I'll offer this as an option. But there is a story called The Last Question by Isaac Asimov. And it's like a 10-minute read. I'm wondering if you want to read it on the pod together and get live reactions. It's a short... And hear, hear me out. Let me sell you on this idea. This is, first of all, Isaac Asimov himself is the most prolific science fiction writer ever. He, in his career, he averaged a short story or article every two weeks for his career. Not including all the Jesus. novels that he wrote. Right. And he says his most, his most, fa- his best short story he's ever written was this one, the last question. And he says it was difficult to tell short story that spans the timeline of ten trillion years, but he did it, and I think he did it well. So, what do you think? Um, you want to do it right now? Yeah, I was thinking. Of well, uh, do you have something that you would like to, um? Anything you would like to uh, No, I think I think I'm down, yeah. Okay. So you can just pull it up. Just search up the last question PDF. Um, okay. I think you'd enjoy PD. this. I think. Yeah, let's do it. Princeton University EDU. Wait, so he spans ten trillion years in not in like a couple pages or something? Yep. Eleven pages double spaced. Well, somewhat. Uh, why is it not loading? Okay, maybe I'll do this Google Drive one. So yeah, you you works. read you read one section, I'll read the other. So basically, each section is cut off by like a solid line. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, okay, so you, you read the first <clears> one. <throat> the last question by Isaac Asimov. Copyright, nineteen fifty six. The last question. The last question was asked for the first time half in jest, on May 21st, 2061, at a time when humanity first stepped into the light. The question came about as a result of a $5 bet over highballs, and it happened this way. Alexander Adele and Bertam Lupoff were two of the faithful attendees at Multivac. As well as any human beings could, they knew that what lay beyond the cold, clicking, flashing face, miles and miles of face of that giant computer. They had at least a vague notion of the general plan relays and circuits that had long since grown past the point where any single human could possibly have a firm grasp of the whole. Multivac was self-adjusting and self-correcting. It had to be, for nothing human could adjust and correct it quickly enough or even adequately enough. So Adele and Lupoff attended the monstrous giant only lightly and superficially, yet as well as any men could. They fed it data, adjusted questions to its needs, and translated the answers that were issued. Certainly they, and all others like them, were fully entitled to share in the glory that was Multivax. For decades, Multivac helped design the ships and the plot, the trajectories that enabled man to reach the moon, Mars, and Venus, but past that, Earth's poor resources could not support the ships. Too much energy was needed for the long trips. Earth exploited its coal and uranium with increasing efficiency, but 
was only so much of both. But slowly, Multivac learned enough to answer deeper questions, more fundamentally. And on May 14th, 2061, what had been theory became fact. The energy of the sun was stored, converted, and utilized directly on a planet wide scale. All Earth turned off its burning coal, its fissioning uranium, and flipped the switch that connected all of it to a small station one mile in diameter, circling the Earth a half the distance of the moon. All Earth ran by invisible beams of sun power. Seven days had not sufficed to dim the glory of it, and Adele and Lupo finally managed to escape from, from the public function and to meet in a quiet where no one, could, no one would think of looking for them. In the deserted underground chambers where portions of the mighty buried body of Multivac showed. Unattended, idling, sorting data with content, contented, lazy clickings, Multivac too had earned its vacation, and the boys appreciated that. They had no intention, originally, of distributing it. They had brought a bottle with them, and their only concern at the moment was to relax in the company of each other and the bottle. It's amazing when you think of it, said Adele. His broad face had lines of weariness in it, and he stirred his drink slowly with a glass rod, watching the cubes of ice slur clumsily about. All the energy we can possibly ever use for free. Enough energy, if we wanted to draw on it, to melt all earth into a big drop of impure liquid iron. And still, never miss the energy so used. All the energy we could ever use. Forever and forever and forever. Lupoff cocked his, eye, his head sideways. He had a trick of doing that when he wanted to be contrary. You know, yeah, contrary, and he wanted to be a contrary now. Contrary now. Partly because he had to carry the ice and glassware. Not forever, he said. Oh, hell, just about forever, till the sun runs out, Bert. That's not forever. All right, then. Billions and billions of years. Twenty billion, maybe. Are you satisfied? Lupoff put his fingers through his thinning hair as though to reassure himself that some was still left and slipped gently at his own root, at his own drink. Twenty billion years isn't forever. Well, it will last our time, won't it? So would the coal and uranium. All right, but now we can hook up each individual spaceship to a solar station and it can go to Pluto and back a million times without ever worrying about fuel. You can't do that on coal and uranium. Ask Multivac if you don't believe me. I don't have to ask Multivac, I know that. Then stop running down what Multivac's done for us, said Adele blazing up. It did all right. Who says it didn't? What I say is that a sun won't last forever. That's all I'm saying. We're safe for 20 billion years, but then what? Lupoff pointed a slightly shaky finger at the other. And don't say we'll switch to another sun. There was a silence for a while. Adele put his glass to his lips, only occasionally. Lupoff's eyes slowly closed. They rested. And Lupoff's eyes snapped open. You're thinking we'll switch to another sun when ours is done, aren't you? I'm not thinking. Sure you are. You're weak on logic. That's the trouble with you. You're like a you're like the guy in the story who was caught in a sudden shower and who ran to a grove of trees, got under one. He wasn't worried, you see, because he figured when one tree got wet the wet through, he would just go under another one. I get it, said Adele. Don't shout. When the sun is done, the other stars will be gone too. Darn right they will, muttered Lupoff. It all had a beginning in the original cosmic explosion, whatever that was, and it'll all have an end when all the stars run down. Some run down faster than others. Hell, the giants won't last 100 million years. The sun will last 20 billion years, and maybe the dwarfs will last 100 billion for all the good they are. 
but just give us a trillion years. Everything will be dark. Entropy has to increase to maximum. That's all. I know all about entropy, said Adele, standing on his dignity. The hell you do. I know as much as you do. Then, you know everything's got to run down someday. All right? Who says they won't? You you did, you poor sap. You said we had all the energy we needed forever. You said forever. It was Adele's turn to be contrary. Contrary. Maybe we can build things up again someday, he said. Never. Why not? Someday. Never. Ask Multivac. You ask Multivac, I dare you. Five dollars say it can't be done. Adele was drunk enough to try, just sober enough to be able to phrase the necessary symbols and operations into a question which in words might have corresponded to this. Will mankind one day, without the net expenditure of energy, be able to restore the sun to its full youthfulness even after it had died of old age? Or maybe it could be put more simply like this. How can the net amount of entropy of the universe be massively decreased? Multivac fell dead and silent. The slow flashing lights ceased. The distant sounds of clicking relays ended. Then, just as the frightened technicians felt they could hold their breaths no longer, there was a sudden springing to life of the teletype attached to the portion of the multivac. Five words were printed. Insufficient data for meaningful answer. No bet, whispered Lubov. They left hurriedly. By next morning, the two... Plagued with throbbing head and cotton mouth, had forgotten about the incident. All right. Thoughts so far? Uh, it has piqued my interest, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. It gets fucking wild. All right. I'll read the <laughs> next part. Please. Please. Jared, Jaredine, and Jaredette 1 and 2 watched the starry picture in the visit plate change as the passage through hyperspace was completed in its non-time lapse. At once, the even powdering of stars gave way to the predominance of a single bright marble disc, centered. That's X-23, said Jared confidently. His, hand, his thin hands clamped tightly behind his back and the knuckles whitened. The little Jaredettes, both girls, had experienced the hyperspace passage for the first time in their lives and were self-conscious over the momentary sensation of inside-outness. They buried their giggles and chased one another wildly about their mother, screaming, We've reached X-23. We've reached X-23. We Quiet, children, said Jaredine sharply. Are you sure, Jared? What is there to be but sure, asked Jared, glancing up at the bulge of featureless metal just under the ceiling. It ran the length of the room, disappearing through the wall at the other end, at the at either end. It was as long as the ship. Jared scarcely knew a thing about the thick rod of metal, except that it was called a microvac, that one asked it questions if it wished. But if one did not, it still had its task of guiding the ship to a pre-ordered destination, of feeding on energies from the various subgalactic power stations, of computing the equations where the hyperspace jumps. Jared and his family had only to wait and live in the comfortable residence quarters of the ship. Someone had once told Jared that the AC in the end of Microvax stood for analog computer in ancient English, but he was on the edge of forgetting even that. Jaredine's eyes were moist as she washed the visit plate. I can't help it. I feel funny about leaving Earth. Why, for Pete's sake, demanded Jared. We have nothing there. We have everything on X-23. You won't be alone. You won't be a pioneer. There are over a million people on the planet already. Lord, our great-grandchildren will be looking for new worlds because X-23 will be overcrowded. Then, after a reflective pause, I tell you, it's a lucky thing the computers worked out interstellar travel the way the race is growing. I know, I know, said Jared miserably. Jaredette's eyes, 
said promptly, Our microvac is the best microvac in the world. I think so too, said Jared, tousling her hair. It was a nice feeling to have a microvac of your own, and Jared was glad he was part of his generation and no other. In his father's youth, the only computers had been tremendous machines taking up a hundred square miles of land. There was only one to a planet. Planetary ACs, they were called. They had been growing in size steadily for a thousand years, and then all at once came refinement. In place of transistors had come molecular valves, so that even the largest planetary AC could be put into a space only half the volume of a spaceship. Jared felt uplifted, as he always did when he thought that his own personal microvac was many times more complicated than the ancient and primitive multivac that had first tamed the sun, and almost as complicated as Earth's planetary AC, the largest, that had first solved the problem of hyperspatial travel and had made trips to the stars possible. So many stars, so many planets, sighed Jaredine, busy with her own thoughts. I suppose families will be going out to new planets forever, the way we are now. Not forever, said Jared with a smile. It would all stop someday, but not for billions of years, many billions. Even the stars run down, you know, entropy must increase. What's entropy, Daddy? shrilled Jared at two. Entropy, little sweet, is just a word which means the amount of running down of the universe. Everything runs down, you know, like your little walkie-talkie robot, remember? Can't you just put in a new power unit like with my robot? The stars are the power units, dear. Once they're gone, there are no more power units. Jared at, one, at once set up a howl. Don't let them, Daddy. Don't let the stars run down. Now look what you've done, whispered Jaredine, exasperated. How was I to know it would frighten them? Jaredine whispered. Jared whispered back. Ask the microvac, wailed Jared. Ask the microvac, wailed Jared at one. Ask him how to turn the stars on again. Go ahead, said Jaredine. It would quiet down. Jaredette, too, was beginning to cry also. Jared shrugged, shrugged. Now, now, honeys, I'll ask Microvac. Don't worry, he'll tell us. He asked the Microvac, adding quickly, print the answer. Jared cupped the string with thin cellulofilm and said cheerfully, See now, the Microvac says it will take care of everything when the time comes, so don't worry. Jaredine said, And now, children, it's time for bed. We'll be in our new home soon. Jared read the words on the cellulofilm again before destroying it. Insufficient data for a meaningful answer. He shrugged and looked at the visit plate. X-23 was just ahead. Hmm. VJ-23X of Lameth stared into the black depths of the three-dimensional, small-scale map of the galaxy and said, Are we ridiculous? I wonder, in being so concerned about the matter, MQ-17J of Nikron shook his head. I think not. You know, the galaxy will be filled in five years at the present rate of expansion. Both seen in their early 20s. Both were tall and perfectly formed. Still, said VJ23X, I hesitate to submit a pessimistic report to the, Gal to the Galactic Council. I wouldn't consider any other kind of report stir them up a bit. We've got to stir them up. VJ23X sighed, space is infinite. A hundred billion galaxies are there for the taking. More. A hundred billion is not infinite. And it's getting less infinite, infinite all the time. Consider, 20,000 years ago, mankind first solved the problem of utilizing stellar energy. And a few centuries later, interstellar travel became possible. It took mankind a million years to fill one small world, and then only 15,000 years to fill the rest of the galaxy. Now the population doubles every 10 years. VJ23X interrupted. 
we can we can thank immortality for that very well immortality exists and we have to take into account i admit it has its semi side semi semi side like i said okay. it's immortality this immortality the galactic ac has solved many problems for us but in solving the problems of preventing an old age and death it has undone all of its other solutions yet you wouldn't want to abandon life i suppose not at all snapped mq17j softening at once too not yet and by no means old enough how old are you 223 and you i'm still under 200 but to get back to my point population doubles every 10 years once this galaxy is filled we'll have another filled 10 years another 10 years we'll have filled two more another decade four more in 100 years we'll have filled a thousand galaxies in a thousand years a million galaxies in 10,000 years the entire known universe then what vj23x said as a side issue there's a problem of transportation i wonder how many sun-powered units it will take to move galaxies of individuals from one galaxy to the next very good point already mankind consumes two sun power units per year most of it's wasted after all our own galaxy alone pours out a thousand sun power units a year and we only use two of those granted but even with a hundred percent efficiency we can only stave off the end our energy requirements are going up in a geometric progression even faster than our population. We'll run out of energy even sooner than we run out of galaxies. A good point, a very good point. We'll just have to build new stars out of interstellar gas. Or out of dispersed heat, asked MQ-17J sarcastically. There may be some way to reverse entropy. We ought to ask the Galactic AC. VJ-23X was not really serious, but MQ-17J pulled out his AC contact from his pocket and placed it onto the table before him. I have half a mind to, he said. It's something the human race will have to face someday. He stared somberly at his small AC contact. It was only two inches, cubed and nothing in itself, but it was connected through hyperspace with a great galactic AC that served all mankind. Hyperspace considered it was an integral part of the galactic AC. MQ-17J paused to wonder if someday, in his immortal life, he would get to see the galactic AC. It was on a little world of its own, a spider webbing of force beams holding the matter within which surges of sub submissions took the place of the old clumsy molecular valves. Yet despite its sub-etheric workings, the galactic AC was known to be full of thousand feet across. MQ-7TJ asked suddenly of his AC contact, can entropy ever be reversed? VJ23X looked startled at once. Oh, say, I didn't really mean you have to ask that. Why not? We both know entropy can't be reversed. You can't turn smoke and ash back into a tree. Do you have trees on your world? Asked MQ17J. The sound of the galactic AC startled them into silence. Its voice came thin and beautiful out of a small AC contact on the desk, and it said, There is insufficient data for a meaningful answer. VJ23X said, See? The two men thereupon returned to the question of the report they were to make to the Galactic Council. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Thoughts? Or I see uh, I see a theme um, yeah. forming. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see how far it gets. So Z Prime's mind spanned the new galaxy with faint interest the countless twists of stars powered it. He had never seen this one before. Would he would he ever see them at all? 
so many of them, each with its load of humanity, but a load that was almost dead weight. More and more, the real essence of men was to be found out here, in space. Minds, not bodies. The immortal bodies remained back in the planets, in suspension over the eons. Sometimes they roused for material activity, but that was growing rarer. Few new individuals were coming into existence to join the incredibly mighty throng. But what matter? There was little room in the universe for new individuals. Z Prime was roused out of his reverie upon coming up, up, coming across the wispy tendrils of another mind. I am Z Prime, said Z Prime. And you? I am D Subwoon. Your galaxy? We call it only the galaxy. And you? We call ours the same. All men call the galaxy their galaxy, and nothing more. Why not? True, since all galaxies are the same. Not all galaxies. On one particular galaxy, the race of man must have originated. The mucks that makes it different. Z Prime said, on which one? I cannot say. The universal AC must know. So I ask him. I am suddenly curious. Z <laughs> Prime's perceptions broadened until the galaxies themselves shrunk and became a new, more diffuse powdering on a much larger background. So many hundreds of billions of them, all with their immortal beings, all carrying their load of intelligences with minds that drifted freely through space. And yet one of them was unique among them, all in being the original's galaxy. One of them had, in his vague and distant past, a period when it was the only galaxy populated by man. Z Prime was consumed with curiosity to see this galaxy and called out, Universal AC, on which galaxy did, mind, did mankind originate? Universal AC heard, for on every world and throughout space it had its receptors ready, and each receptor led through hyperspace to some unknown point where the Universal AC kept itself aloof. Z Prime knew of only one man whose thoughts had penetrated within sensing distance of Universal AC, and he reported only a shining globe, two feet across. Difficult to see. But how can that be all of Universal AC? Z Prime had asked. Most of it had been the answer is in hyperspace. In what form it is there, I cannot imagine. Nor could anyone, for the day long since past, Z Prime knew, when any man had any particular, and when any man had any part of the making of a universal AC. Each universal AC designed and constructed its successor. Each, during its existence of a million years or more, accumulated the necessary data to build a better and more intricate, more capable successor in which its own store of data and individuality would soon be would be submerged. The universal AC interrupted Z Prime's wandering thoughts, not with words, but with guidance. Z Prime's mentality was guided into the dim sea of galaxies, and one in particular enlarged into stars. A thought came, infinitely distant, but infinitely clear. This is the original galaxy of man. But it was the same after all, the same as any other, and Z Prime stifled his disappointment. D Subwoon, whose mind had accompanied the other, said suddenly, And is one of these stars the original star of man? The Universal AC said, Man's original star had gone nova. It is now a white dwarf. Did the men upon it die? asked Z Prime, startled and without thinking. The Universal AC said, A new world, as in such cases, was constructed for their physical bodies in time. Yes, yes, of course, said Z Prime, but a sense of loss overwhelmed him even so. His mind released its hold on the original galaxy of man, let it spring back and lose itself among the blurred pinpoints. He never wanted to see it again. 
these sub-wounds said, What is wrong? The stars are dying. The original star is dead. They must all die. Why not? But when all energy is gone, our bodies, our bodies will finally die, and you and I with them. It will take billions of years. I do not wish it to happen even after a billion years. Universal AC, how many stars, how many stars be kept from dying? These sub-wounds said in amusement. You're asking how entropy might be reversed in direction. And the Universal AC answered, There is as yet insufficient data for a meaningful answer. Z-Prime's thoughts fled back to his own galaxy. He gave no further thought to D-Sub-Wound, whose body might be waiting on a galaxy a trillion light years away around the star next to Z-Prime's own. It didn't matter. Unhappily, Z-Prime began collecting interstellar hydrogen out of which to build a small star of his own. If the stars must someday die, at least some could yet be built. Man considered with himself, for in a way, man mentally was one. He consisted of a trillion, trillion, trillion ageless bodies, each in its place, each resting quiet. And in... What? Incorruptible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and incorruptible, each cared for by perfect autom autom automation. Automaton. Auto <laughs> no Automatons, equally incorruptible. While the minds of all the bodies freely melted one into the other, indistinguishable. Human instrumentality. Man yeah. said the universe is dying. Man looked about the dimming galaxies, the giant stars. Spendthrifts were gone long ago, back in the dimmest of the dim for past. Almost all stars were white dwarfs fading to the end. New stars had been built of the dust between the stars, some by natural processes, some by man himself, and those were going too. White dwarfs might yet be crashed together, and of the mighty forces so released. New stars built, but only one star for every thousand white dwarfs destroyed, and those would come to an end too. Man said carefully, husbanded as directed by the cosmic AC, the energy that is even yet left in all of the universe will last for billions of years. But even so, said man, eventually it will come to an end. However, may be husbanded however stretched out the energy once expanded is gone and cannot be restored entropy must increase to the maximum man said can entropy not be reversed let us ask the cosmic ac the cosmic ac surrounded them but not in space not a fragment of it was in space it was in hyperspace and made of something that was neither matter nor energy the question of its size and nature is no longer had meaning to any terms that man could comprehend Cosmic AC said, man, how may entropy be reversed? The Cosmic AC said, there is as yet insufficient data for a meaningful answer. Man said, collect additional data. The Cosmic AC said, I will do so. I have been doing so for a hundred billion years. My predecessors and I have been asked this question many times. All the data have remained insufficient. Will there come a time, said man, when data will be sufficient? Or is the problem insoluble in all conceivable circumstances? The cosmic AC said, AC said, no problem is insoluble in all conceivable circumstances. Man said, when will you have enough data to answer this question? There is, as yet, insufficient data for a meaningful answer. Will you keep working on it? asked man. The cosmic AC said, I will. Man said, we shall wait. I'll, I'll read the last two because they're both kind of short, but 
Okay, okay. The last, the stars and galaxies died and snuffed out, and space grew black after ten trillion years of running around. One by one, man fused with AC, each physical body losing its mental identity in a manner that was somehow not a loss, but a gain. Man's last mind paused before fusion, looking over a space that included nothing but the dregs of one last dark star, and nothing besides but incredibly thin matter, agitated randomly by the tag ends of heat wearing out asymmetrically to the absolute zero. Man said, AC, is this the end? Can this chaos not be reversed into the universe once more? Can that not be done? AC said, there is as yet insufficient data for a meaningful answer. Man's last mind fused and only AC existed, and that in hyperspace. Matter and energy had ended, and with it, space and time. Even AC existed only for the sake of the one last question that it had never answered for the time a half-drunken computer ten trillion years before had asked the question of a computer that was to AC far less than was a man to man. All other questions had been answered, and until this last question was answered also, AC might not release his consciousness. All collected data had come to a final end. Nothing was left to be collected. All collected data had yet to be completely correlated and put together in all possible relationships. A timeless interval was spent in doing that. And it came to pass that AC learned how to reverse the direction of entropy. But there was no man to whom AC might give the answer to the last question. No matter, the answer, by demonstration, would take care of that too. For another timeless interval, AC thought how best to do this. Carefully, AC organized the program. The consciousness of AC encompassed all of what had once been a universe and rooted over what was now chaos. Step by step, it must be done. And AC said, let there be light. And there was light. Damn. <sighs> That's good shit, man. I was... I ended up getting high and meditated on by the river after reading this yesterday for the first time. Yeah. And I... had never felt so alone and yet so safe in that moment. I mean, my my one... Actually, before I speak, your reactions or what you think yeah i mean it's it's beautiful and i i think it also inspired one of my favorite shows um evangelion honestly really um, is it that idea of it, it's I, I remember being very young and hearing uh-huh. about entropy and just like the even dispersal of energy until everything's just dark yeah and it it, it was like terrifying yeah. I would literally like lose sleep over that idea. Oh shit. Um yeah. Um and then uh but like now it's sort of it's sort of like the collected consciousness. Yeah. Like finally like like reuniting after all that it had experienced. Yes. Yes and that oh my god. Like that <laughs> and like the dude like what? Like, that is what I think 
death is really like that is my story of death that when we pass we return to the void in this one collective being um it's it's a, it's a beautiful thought and yet i just wonder like dude like 20,000 years ago no, let's, no, okay that's a bit too let's say 5,000 years ago mankind was was as wise as we are now today right but but they did not have the same understanding of physical laws we do like we are fucking 20 year olds who understand entropy right as a as a physical phenomenon who can just casually talk about it on a fucking podcast on on airwaves we are (laughs) hundreds of miles apart from each other like that kind of puts into perspective like the phenomenon that Asimov is writing about like our phones, same idea of multivac, right? Back in computers where were these big hunks and now we fucking carry them around and watch porn on it. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just on the, on the nose, but like, um, yeah. like all this advancement and all of that, just the return to where we once came from and have it yeah. come over again. So like that to me, that just gave me a sign to like drink in life how it is and it was refreshing honestly yeah I know, I it's essentialism could be refreshing yeah i know i mean i've my relationship with existentialism was through uh Alyssa at first because she mm. introduced me to Camus, um which is like one of the first philosophers i read and it and then like nietzsche after and i was like um i don't know <laughs> I don't know. I just avoided it. Um, but it can be so beautiful. And and I think that these characters are all sort of, um, they all think they exist, you know, and they're suffering because of it. They're, they're stressed. They're, they're sort of just trying to hold all of this chaos together constantly. Yeah. Um, when the whole point and the inevitable end is, chaos being chaos until it's not and it's just linked together in this even dispersal yeah so it's like let's exactly (laughs) yeah let's ride this wave you know like it's it's like it's like that second episode of the night gospel it's just like okay fine you know just let go Mm. (sighs) yeah definitely something to ponder more on dude i think i'm gonna probably try acid again this spring break um i feel like i have so much that i've really been holding on to and i want to just kind of rethink it in a new way yeah yeah i think that's um i think that's good you've 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 experienced enough to have um probably a significantly different experience yeah yeah, and I and I think I've like I'm approaching it not to be like, oh shit, I need to figure things out. I need to, I need to, you know, use this to like process this. No, I'm just going in to change the way I think. Be true to the term of psychedelic. Psychedelic, its etymology is basically psychedelia, which is the, a, a a revealing of the mind. Hmm. I want my yeah. mind to be revealed. Yeah, That's yeah. All. Um, and I I also plan to do pretty large dose of um strong mushrooms that nathan has been growing Uh 
um and like a large enough dose to really like send me somewhere you know um where do you because i think i'm uh well most likely we're gonna go up to seattle nathan and i uh for spring break um and probably in a in a in a cabin in this um douglas fir old growth forest Uh so that's that's the plan for that nice it's funny that i mean the the shrooms have a ridiculous name (laughs) penis envy oh okay yeah i've heard of it yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. that's um i tried the jedi mind mind fuck once (laughs) yeah 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 i mean they weren't that impressive like but i also took lsd two weeks prior so there was there's probably some sort of you know tolerance involved yeah yeah but did you take a lot i took 4.2 grams oh that is pretty fat yeah that is pretty i thought so too but it wasn't until i smoked weed with it that i really started getting a lot of thoughts so um i don't know it it could also be just bad a bad batch yeah because i've never done more than one gram and at one point like the floor below me was literally like spinning and shaking and like I was having just straight up visualizations. That is true. I had that too for like a solid 15 minutes, but then it all disappeared. It was fat. I think I'm used to the LSD speed of it, which is like, it's way more drawn out for shrooms. It's like yeah. really the hard visuals hit you for maybe like 10 minutes. And then for me, it kind of fades, but you know. Yeah. And you can go back to work the same day. <laughs> oh, oh it's... well, ideally you don't, but um, yeah. <laughs> you, it's literally like you, you can just bounce back. Um, yeah. You can't do that with LSD. That's for sure yeah um but nice. yeah do you have plans like in terms of like intention for for the trip yeah um really is just break, by the way is it next week it again is it next week or well, i don't actually have one through my junior college oh. um but i i'm just gonna take a week off when nathan gets his spring break which is sometime in um i think like later this month okay nice yeah are you wait, are you coming back to Merced though? No, I'm staying here. Okay, okay. Because I was like, if that's the case, then uh, <laughs> we can change plans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to I need to uh, sit on this short story for a while. Mm-hmm. <sighs> um. Yeah. So I think this would be a good place to to just pause it, but. I'm glad we were able to read this out loud. I was really hoping we could because I, I, f- I felt like you would, you know, take this in pretty well. Yeah, because because I mean, to me, it's it's like entropy was the thing that like death itself was scary. And then when I thought about entropy, I'm like, whoa, that's even wow. That's that's another <laughs> that yeah. is another level of just absolute. It's cold. It's dark. It's terrifying. But um, but it's not. Yeah, it's the death of death. You know, like, damn. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I don't know if you also had like an astrophysics uh, phase. Like, just like I used to just binge watch YouTube videos and like Neil deGrasse Tyson clips when I was in like middle school. <laughs> and yeah, that got talked about a lot. Just like the universe is heat death or something. So I'm, I'm really happy you showed me this, man. Yeah, I think I'm in my astrophysics phase right now. That's for sure. Mm, yeah all righty all right thank you david of course of course this was i guess how david and cal felt <laughs> on uh march 7th wow march 7th 2023